four, four weeks to the end now, three or four weeks to the end now. So we started in May, been working through the Sermon on the Mount. hope it's been a blessing for those of you that have been around for it. For those of you that haven't, we, even if today you're just here as a guest, as a one-off, we hope that as we open up God's Word, that it's a blessing for you and that um, that which is alive goes to work in you and brings life. Today's passage, just to say at the start, to make sure you're thinking straight on it, is one of those passages which, if you get it right, then I would say that you have discovered something genuinely awesome. Okay? If you get this one right, you've found something genuinely awesome. And um, I don't use that word often, so it's, it's a big one. It's also a kind of the passage that if you get it wrong, you're in for a rough ride. If you interpret this passage wrong, you're, you're going to hit some really big potholes that you may struggle to get out of. So this is a big one um, uh, because the, uh, we're going to read it now. It's Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11. So Matthew chapter 7, we're going to go from verse 7 to 11. I'll read it and then I'll try to explain why it's, why it's like that as a passage. So it's Jesus speaking. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or or which one of you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish will give him a serpent? For if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. Let's pray. Father, on holy ground, as we open up your word here, we thank you for your word. Thank you so much for committing uh, the revelation of who you are to a written account that we don't have to um, wonder when we hear from others whether something's been kind of um, like Charlie's whispers. Is, is that really what was said? But thank you, Lord, that you got meant to write the thing down. And thank you, Lord, that um, the utmost care has been taken over the centuries to preserve this. And we thank you, Lord, for it. And we bless you, Lord, and that it speaks of your consistency because it says the same thing every day. It speaks of your unchanging nature. We are so grateful to you. We thank you for it. I pray for, a, I pray for genuinely for a massive uh, uh, blessing in the hearts and minds of people today by the Spirit. As we unpack this one, I ask it in the name of Jesus. I ask it for his glory, Lord. Amen. Now, why did I say what I said at the start? Well, here's the thing. This is one of those passages that it will be really easy to lift out and just kind of pin on your fridge, pin on your wall. Um, and it wouldn't be wrong to do that. But what, you, what could easily happen while you did that would be you forget the context that actually over time the thing just begins to take on a life of its own and the context in which it was spoken is forgotten. And that can be a really dangerous thing with, um, with, with Bible passages. I mean, with anything that's written, that's really dangerous. If I was to write someone a letter that was written to a particular person in a particular situation and said something and then someone took it out of the particular context and used it as something general or, or, or that it was said to someone else, Suddenly you could find this thing is 
become really unhelpful. So we've got to get straight on the context here. So let's just get straight, maybe for the last time, on what this thing called the Sermon on the Mount is. Number one, it's a chronological sermon. Matthew's compiled it that way. Now, some people say um, that he's condensed it, and that may well be the case. But he's definitely presented it as if it were uh, something that happened in one sitting, a chronological uh, discourse given by Jesus in, in one situation. You see that, by the way, it starts at Matthew 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So there's a, there's a particular situation that's happened here where he has, um, he's gone up on the mountain, he sat down, his disciples around him. It's a message to Christian disciples primarily. We'll look at that in a second. But that's, there's, a, there's a context, there's a, it's a discourse taken up in this situation, up a mountain. And then if we go to the end, Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority. Matthew deliberately gives it a beginning and an end. And it is therefore uh, the intent of Matthew under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to present it as one discourse. It's really, really important. Because it's exactly not what I said with the thing on the fridge. It's not just a, a list of random proverbs, wisdom sayings. Jesus is progressing the thing. He's going somewhere with this message. Now, remember as well at the start, I said there tends to be two ways that people get this wrong. And I'm just going to say what they are as if I, I know it all. I want to say what they are and give you the reasons why so you see that it makes sense. The first way people get it wrong, this Sermon on the Mount, is that they say, well, it's really just Jesus giving a general message to all people saying, Look, why don't you just live like this, you guys? You're really not getting it. You know, come on, sort it out. That sort of idea. People take that on board, which is why you find people who aren't believers at all saying things like, oh, you know, I love the teachings of Jesus where he just tells us all to turn the other cheek. And it's, it's all kind of like as if Jesus has just given something really general to everyone. That's really not what it is. Uh, it's two disciples. And the, it's the antithesis of sort yourself out. The Christian message is not sort yourself out, but with a bit of Jesus thrown in. All you need to realize that is the very first thing Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who realize they can't sort themselves out. <laughs> Blessed are those who realize, I can't do this. Spiritually, I'm bankrupt. Before God, there's nothing good in me, nothing to commend me to him. Where so often, you know, what we do is we tend to compare ourselves to others, and often those worse than us, we feel we're not so bad. But actually, Jesus wants us to see God and come face to face with his holiness and realize, I'm undone. I'm in trouble. I need mercy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who realize they can't just straighten themselves out. They can't just start saying a few prayers or going to church or hanging around with Christians and it'll be all right. No, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize I've got nothing. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's extraordinary. Okay, so it's, that's why it's not that. This, here's the second thing that it isn't. Some people say, of course it's not that. The gospel is justification by faith, which means we get made right with God by nothing that we do, simply by believing, which is all absolutely correct. But then they go on to say, so what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount with all this turn the other cheek and all this don't lust and don't lose your temper, really what he's, he's saying, really, I know you're not going to live like this, okay, but because you're justified by faith, it doesn't really matter. 
I know you're not going to do this. I know you're not going to take this, this kind of stuff seriously because you've recognized you're a sinner and you need mercy and grace and you recognize you've been justified simply by putting your faith in Jesus. Therefore, you know and I know our little secret, even though I'm saying this stuff about, you know, don't lust. We all know you're going to, okay? And uh, don't worry about it. You're justified by faith. That's not the message. That's not the message. The message is, I was dancing to that tune. It was a good tune. Um, The message is, yes, you are justified by faith. You are made right with God in a moment. In the moment you come to Jesus, you are made as right with God as you'll ever be. The moment you put your trust in Christ genuinely, you are adopted as a son, and the Spirit of God comes and indwells you, and you are His forever. Hallelujah. We all, those of us that are born again believers, we've known that, haven't we? That moment where we came to Jesus, wretched, poor in spirit, with nothing to offer, empty hands. All we brought was our sin, and he showered us with mercy and grace and made us brand new people. Absolutely, we know that. But there's no way that this sermon is then teaching, and therefore now it doesn't matter how you live. It really is not meaning that at all. God comes to make us brand new and fill us with his spirit. Why? So we can begin to live and look like Jesus. And this sermon is really just Jesus saying, be like me. <laughs> that's really what it is. Be like me. That's what, that's what the sermon is. Do you really think Jesus would go into the pains of saying things like, you know what, if your eye is causing you to lust, it's better to pluck it out and enter into eternal life maimed than enter hell with your eyes intact? Do you think he'd be saying that in some kind of, but we know it's not real, wink, wink, nudge, nudge? Come on. It's crazy. I mean, the whole, after the Beatitudes, it's all really about, and after you're the salt and you're the light, the rest of it is how to live. Do you think Jesus was just kind of killing time? He was just, I'll better say this stuff, you know, they'll expect it of me. Do you think Jesus was doing it? No. So what is is this message? This is the true spirit-filled Christian life. How challenging is that? You filled with the Spirit? Okay, there's the life. So what happens to us as Christians if we receive it in that way? Well, it leaves us undone. Anyone been undone over the last few months at any point on a Sunday? I have been numerous times, frequently throughout the week whilst preparing, so I just think I'm not going to let you guys get away with it as well. I'm going to preach it just as hard as it got to me. I've been undone. We're faced with the uncompromising holiness of God's character. He refuses to compromise, refuses to change, refuses to keep up, in quotes, with the latest trends of how things should and shouldn't be done. God says, no, this is right and this is wrong. And he will not move for anyone. Hallelujah. If he does, we're in trouble. So we're faced with that. Every, every element of the sermon, every, every dot of the eye, we're faced with the holiness of God. Uh, And we're also faced with ourselves, who are very much works in progress. We we recognize, I've been born again, those of us that have been. I've been born again, I know it, I know it, I know him now. I'm not what I was. But then we read this and we go, oh man. And we find ourselves feeling undone. We're exposed on many fronts. We need grace. We find ourselves in a position where we say, God, I need grace. What am I going to do? And then Jesus says, ask and it shall be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. That's, you see the context now. 
You got it now. That's how this thing, that's what Jesus is saying here. I wonder if some of you are now at this point disappointed with that. Because you see, if you ignore the, co- the context and just pull that out, stick it on your fridge, you can say, okay, anything good my father's going to give me. A life supply of cars. It's not a bad thing. It's not bad, is it? I mean, you know, if I was to say, I, I would like it if between now and when I die, I wouldn't be over the top, but whenever I needed a, whenever I needed a new car that worked, I'd just get one. Just a life supply of cars. Is that good? That is good. Yeah, Jesus said, look, here we go. Um, if you were able now to give good gifts to your children, and dads sometimes give their kids cars, how much more will your, fa- how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask? So you can sign my fridge. There it is. And it's like, Lord, you, you said, and uh, now uh, I, need, I need that car. Well, actually, a life supply, Lord. just want to know that there's, they're kind of ready all the way through. Lord, I thought you didn't lie. And what you see, a pothole coming on there, you see? See, because I'm not saying it's wrong to pray for a car. If you need a car, pray for a car. It's fine. But I don't think God's promised us that. What's he promised us? He's promised us grace to forgive our enemies. He's promised us grace to speak honestly and simply in life. He's promised us grace to, have a, to walk out of a judgmental attitude. Grace to live before God. And not just trying to impress other people. Grace to not worry about tomorrow and material needs. Grace to be faithful in marriage. Grace to live sexually pure. Grace to shine Christ's light in the public arena. Grace to walk free from anger and a vengeful spirit. That's better than a life supply of cars, isn't it? It's extraordinary. You see, that's what Jesus is promising here. For the believer, that's way better than a life supply of cars. Why? I'll tell you why. Because when you get born again, God deposits something in you which a life supply of cars could never satisfy. It's, it's two things. It's a longing for him and a longing for his likeness in your life. You just can't get away from it. You can try and fill your appetite with other things, but I tell you what, what will happen is, as that wears off and it normally won't take long, you'll find that appetite, that longing is still there. What is it? It's for him. I need Christ. And I want to be like him. I want to be holy, like he is. We're alive to God now. And you know what? Our destiny is to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Romans 8 verse 29 is a really powerful scripture. I'll read it to you. It tells you the destiny of God, the, the absolute certainty of God's plan. It says this, For those whom he foreknew, that's God, those who God foreknew, he also predestined, what for? What did he predestine us for? To be conformed to the image of his Son. You have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, the likeness of Christ, which is the Sermon on the Mount. God is utterly determined to do that with you. God is fixed in purpose to do that with you if you are a believer. Now, I want to earth it for just a moment and ask you a question. What area of the Sermon on the Mount has been most challenging for you? What has it been that's really got you and really left you feeling somewhat perplexed? Is it forgiving your enemies? It's a big one. Some of you in here would have been really hurt. Some of you would have, people would have done stuff that you, we wouldn't want repeating. And you're, it's like a knot in your spirit. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe it's speaking honestly and simply. You lie. You, 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 you feel that you even find it hard not to exaggerate and spin things and lie things. It's like a bit of a grip on your life. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's 
being judgmental. You just feel like, when I spoke last week, you're like, oh man, you're talking about me. I'm so critical. I'm so harsh in my spirit. <laughs> As I'm looking at something now, you're averting eye contact. I'm not saying that's you, by the way. I'm just looking at different people. <laughs> you know, God does what he does. Um, I really wasn't. I really wasn't. Uh, is, is, it, is it living before God and not others? For some, it's so it's such a trained pattern of thought to be doing stuff and thinking, I wonder what they would think or how would they feel about this? And actually really quite unaware of what does Jesus think. Maybe it's not worrying about tomorrow, not worrying about material needs. You, you know, maybe, maybe things are at the moment are tight. You're on the, you're on a tightrope financially and it's like, man, you live, you, you're, you're aware of that. Maybe it's the, just being, being all out for Jesus in public. You, 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 the word Jesus gets stuck in your mouth. <laughs> Can't get it out. Walking free from anger. Maybe you feel trapped by anger. Well, I want to say this to you. Because those things are the context, which is all essentially the kingdom of heaven. That's what it is. What exactly does Jesus promise? This is exactly what he promises. We're going to just dig in to help you understand exactly what he's promising. And it is amazing. Now, verse 7 I don't know why it seems like pretty much all the Bible translators who know the language, the original language, unlike myself, they, none of them seem to do something really helpful on this passage. And it's this. There is a Greek tense which we would describe in the English language as a present continuous tense. This verse is written in the present continuous. You can look it up at any kind of e-bible on the internet or anything like that it is written in the present continuous no one is in dispute about that which means how it the best way for it to be written in english would be this keep on asking and it will be given to you keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking and it will be open to you for everyone who does that receives everyone who keeps on asking receives everyone who keeps on seeking finds and to the one who knocks it will be open therefore jesus is promising this persist in prayer for the things of the kingdom, and they will be given to you. That's it. Which is really quite simple. But actually, it's massive. Because how many of you sitting in this room at the moment are struggling to really believe for overcoming in those areas and really breaking through and walking in the victory of that? What is Jesus promising? He is promising persist in prayer, and it's yours. Luke 12, 32, Jesus said it's been the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's really happy to have you in his kingdom and really happy to give you the things of the kingdom. You haven't got to rest it out of his hands. We'll look at well, why we've got to keep asking him. We'll look at that later. But he's happy. In fact, it brings him pleasure to give you the things of the kingdom. Okay? This is amazing. The context is clear. There's no need to qualify it, dumb it down, suggest maybe Jesus didn't quite mean this. This is exactly what he meant, and that is the end of it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus said, my words will never pass away. Persist in prayer over these things, and they will be given to you. How cool is that? Some have said that to pray more than once about something is a sure sign of unbelief. It's nonsense. I want to just say that. Some have taught that. To pray more than once about something, that's unbelief. Present continuous. And this is just one verse of many which teaches importunity in prayer, that we've got to pray things through as believers. We need to pray things through. We're called to pray right through to victory.
This promise will keep us from losing heart and giving up as we look at ourselves. Ever looked at yourself and lost heart? You know what I'm talking about? I start on Jesus and quickly go down. And you're like, oh boy, it's not looking good. There's a promise here made to frail people like you and me. Just keep asking. Keep seeking. Don't lose heart. Because Satan, Satan will jump on that. You know, the devil is real. Right? He doesn't turn up in a red suit, you know, and sing the, the I'm the devil song. It's not like that. He's cleverer than that. The Bible says we mustn't be unaware of his schemes. How does he work? It's just little whispers, little thoughts. It's not going to come in. It's all going to be subterranean. It's all going to be in disguise. The Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light. Angel means messenger. That means he masquerades as a messenger from God. He pretends to say things and twist scriptures and make it sound like it's God's. Yeah, God says you've blown it, man. God says it's all over. That's what he does. Accusations, sewing it in. So you just start to think, man, alive. Yeah, and then, and then the past mistakes kick in, yeah? Oh, yeah, and I did that as well, man, you know? And it can just cripple you. And, and what, you don't, what you do at that point, you stop praying. You think, well, I've obviously blown it, disqualified myself. And you lose the gospel. We had that last night. Last night, I was, I was grumpy with the kids. And, uh, and it really gets me down when I am. It really gets me down. Because, uh, you know, it, I, I'm a bit, sen- bit sensitive, I think, probably. <laughs> but, you know, I just sat downstairs and I thought, I'm ruining their lives. That's what I thought. <laughs> I did. Now, you know, it sounds funny, but I thought, you know, you just, uh, and then I'd, I'd put aside some time to pray tomorrow night. Really excited about it all day. I was really get hold of God. I've been meditating on this verse. I was really excited. And then I did, th- I did that, and uh, I said my stories to him and all this stuff, you know. But I went back there, I sat downstairs, and, I, and, I, and I, I knew I was just, I could go that way or that way. You know how it is. I can go that way or I can go that way. And it was really close for a while. And I was just like, oh, man. And then uh, by God's grace, you know, you just think, and uh, the fact that I've been meditating on this I've been, as I've been preparing a week, I thought, come on, what is my confidence before God? Is it my performance? If it is, I've lost the gospel. And so I just come and say, God, I'm here by the blood of Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, and then, you know, you're off, you're away, and, you know, God, God helped me pray, and it was, it was great. But this, it's, this is how it goes, you see. It's very, very close. Jesus is clear. The one who prays for him doesn't give up. You'll get it. You can take that to the bank. All right? Take it to the bank. There's no ifs and buts. We've looked at the context. That's what he's talking about. He's already talked about seeking in Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom. It's, that's, what he, that's the whole thing. Seek first the kingdom. Is it kingdom stuff you're after? Is it Christ-likeness? Is it, I want to be, Lord, I, wanna, I want the grace to live for you. I want the grace to shine for you, to speak for you, to manifest the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I want them to be, I want them to be pouring out of me, Lord. I want this. That's the kingdom. Pray through, you've got it. In ever-increasing measures, pray through, and you've got it. It's, it's amazing. This isn't a selfish thing. Every, the promise to Abraham is, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. Every blessing we get from God is that we might be a greater blessing. Amen? Greater blessing to those in our lives. Greater blessing to God's people. Greater blessing to those who don't know him yet. Shining out. It's, it's not just so that oh, I can feel good now, I'm more patient. No, it's so I can bless you more with my patience. That I can, I can savor to you of Christ. I can give a Christ aroma to you now with my patience. Incredible. 
Praise God. And then Jesus illustrates it, verses 9 to 11. I love this. Which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Some of the disciples there were dads. Right, so it's those of you that are fathers, he's, he's addressing them. And he asked this really obvious question. How many of you, how many of you if your kid asks you for a, a bread, are going to give them a stone? Now, we can do what we do with the plank and the splinter. You know, the plank in the eye last week, get all serious, all religious about it. Oh, yes, Jesus, good illustration, plank in the eye, very, very good. It's funny. It's supposed to be funny, helping someone with the splinter in their eye when you've got a plank in yours. That's funny, guys. Give him the credit. He could have said something sensible, but he didn't. It was funny. This is funny. Little kid comes up. Oh, Dad, I'm going to need some bread. Sure thing, kid. Gives him a stone. It's a funny picture. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Jesus is saying, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. And he's getting to the, he's starting to touch the father heart thing. You've got to get this. He's starting to touch the father heart thing. See, when I was a kid at Christmas, I never got it. Because I say to my mum and my stepdad, and that, I'm saying, I don't know why you get so excited. You get shampoo you you open up you you get socks you open up these really dull presents i get action man i know why i'm excited why do you get excited about christmas and my mum would say things like well it's seeing you open your presents i'd be like that's weird (laughs) that's just plain old weird you know you know you know you think that doesn't work well now i'm older and the tables have turned and uh the kids are like, oh, Dad, you, know, you haven't got many presents. And I'm like, don't worry about that. You just open that one. I can't wait to see your face when you open that one. Why? Well, because you've been going on about it for months, and we actually got you it. Or you've never mentioned it, but because we know you, we know that when you open that, you're just going to fall apart at the seams. You're going to pop. You're going to hit the ceiling. See? Why? Because it's, when you get a gift and you know it's because someone knows you, 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 you know me, you know. It's just, that's that, isn't it? I remember we, we ordered a couple of maps. We ordered a map for the office. And um, long and boring story, but they sent us two by mistake. They said, that's fine. You can, you can keep, keep them both. So I thought, I know who like that map. Daisy is a map geek, geek like me. Just love maps. We can just look at them for hours. I got this map, right? So I brought this map home in a cardboard tube. I've stuck it on, on, on a bunk bed. You know. She came in from school. Well, I mean, I've never seen anything like it in her life. It's amazing. It's the best thing I've ever had. I mean, she was just like, and I think, I'm sure it isn't the best thing she's ever had, but what, what was it? And I think for her, it was like, you get me. You get me. It's a map. I'm looking saying, yeah, it's a map. Aren't they great? Levi's birthday last, last year, I thought, well, I had a great plan. I thought, well, basketball, but not just, not just the basketball. No, no, not just the basketball. I am going to set up the net above the back door so that he opens the basketball and then goes, great, Dad, we've got a basketball, but what about? And then I open the blinds on the back door and he goes, whoa, it's not just a net, it's a net that's set up and ready to play. So... Put him to bed night before his birthday. Get out there, get the drill out. You know, sit the thing up. You know, and then Davina does a Davina classic. She says, uh, <laughs> "So the back doors are open. I'm doing it. Get it." I say, "That's great. That's perfect." She says, "Have you tried closing the doors?" <laughs> what do you mean? This is about half nine. Have you tried closing the doors? Well, no. So I did it too low. So you can't close the doors. It just closes on this basketball net. So I thought, "What am I going to do?" It's like 10 p.m. I thought, "I've got 
there's no way, there's no way now after all this that he's not going to open that basketball, say what about the net, I'm going to pull the blinds, he's going to go wow. So I'm out there at 10 on a chair and I thought the neighbours are going to hate me. The neighbours are going to, I've got to do two brand new holes. The neighbours are going to hate me. So I start right into the brick wall. Do one. I beg your pardon. I'm like, oh, no. It's really, really posh lady. It's really angry. And I'm like, I've got to get the net up. I said, yeah, look, really sorry. So she's right along. It's my son's birthday tomorrow. And I just, just downright rude. I said, yeah, but just one more hole, please. And she's like, no, okay. then." So that's great. So we got the thing up and the whole thing worked. And it was, it was incredible. It was, it was amazing. The ball was opened, but it wasn't just that. The net was up. Now, I want you to get the planning, the enthusiasm, and the effort on my part. And now I want you to get this. I'm evil. I'm evil. So you can see the heart of God. It was a good thing. Compared to him, I'm, I'm really very flawed. Really very flawed. My generosity compared to him, it's, it's really not that impressive. And this is what Jesus is doing here. He's getting to that image of God in us. He's getting to particularly the father heart thing that just loves to provide and bless and that sort of thing. And he's saying, listen, use your head. Use your head now. If you find that that is in you for your children, how much more the one in whose heart there's no darkness, there's no meanness, there's no immorality. Good dads, good dads compared to him are evil. And Jesus here is looking at the universality of sin. He's looking at disciples born again. He's saying compared to God, you're evil. These are good men. He's saying you're evil. What's Jesus teaching here? That we are, this, is, this is a brilliant text, if you like, to show the Bible really does teach the universality of sin, that we have all sinned and fallen short of his glory. And like I said earlier, we can compare ourselves to this one who's worse or that one who's worse. But God compares us to him. Why? Because he made us in his image to perfectly reflect his image and to be like him. And we've fallen so terribly far from that. And that's the biblical doctrine of sin. Not that we're all murderers. Not that we're all like terrible torturers. Not, it's not, that's not it, though some of us are that. The biblical doctrine of sin is this. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not what we were. We're not what we're made to be. And the only way that we can be saved is not by trying to prove God wrong, trying to say, no, God, I'm okay, watch, watch my effort, watch this, watch that. It's just insulting. The only way is to receive God's free gift of grace, which comes to us in Jesus Christ. That his life, death, and resurrection on our behalf is all that's needed to bring us back to God. And then once we reconcile to God, God will begin to transform us from the inside out and make us back to his image. So that's why we say trust in Christ alone for salvation. If you're here and you don't know him, you need to trust in Christ alone. Just come to him. That's where it starts. Let him start that work of regeneration, that new life in you, where you get a new heart. And then, and then unto eternity, he'll be working on you. Will he be working on you until Christ returns and in a flash, you'll be made into, the, into his perfect image. So that's how this thing works. But believers, I want to say this to you, Christians now. You've got to get the heart of God for you. You must. 
If my children expected nothing of me. I mean, my children, when I go out, they were just, every time we go out, Tesco, Summerfields, they ask me for stuff. And it's annoying. But it's really cool as well. It's really cool. Because they think, he's all right. He's quite generous. If they never ask me for anything, I get a bit disappointed. It's like, what? how do you think of me? You see, listen to what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says. This is, a, this is a learned scholar. A learned scholar. He says this. If you should ask me to state in one phrase what I regard as the greatest defect in most Christian lives, I would say that it is our failure to know God as our Father as we should know him. The greatest defect as a seasoned pastor, teacher, scholar, the greatest defect that we is our failure to know God as our Father as we should know him. How do you think of your Father? Christian, how? How? Because it may be negative, it may just be just a sense of kind of blankness. You just really don't. Well, you need to, because that's who he is. And the Bible says that we'll be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Romans 12 verse 2. It's so important that you understand this. It's so vital that you get this. To meditate on his nature, his generosity, his care for you. He who didn't spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? What a promise. What do you need for the sake of his kingdom? What do you need to grow? He will give it to you. So I want to end by looking why the delay. Why the delay? It's very simple. Two things. One is this. Why, why if God's so willing and keen, do we have to say and press through in prayer? Firstly, it's God's wisdom because he knows that if he can get us to a point where we're genu- genuinely hungry and thirsty after the, after the things of him, then even in that process, we become more like Christ. And then when he gives us the thing, we value it. And on the way, our motives become purified. And really the, the, the kind of the, the superficial, shallow things that are in our heart drop away. And what's left is just this kernel, this core of God, I must have you. And in, in doing so, in that exercise, in that activity, God has done a mighty thing in us. And then he gives us the thing. And as a result, we don't just have it. In a sense, it's been worked into the very fiber of who we are by his spirit. It's the wisdom of God. It's also spiritual warfare. It's also that what does what does Satan want more than anything that you that you do not mature increasingly into Christ's likeness? Because the more like Jesus you get, the more dangerous you get for him. The more like Jesus you get, the more you're going to impact the world around you. The more you're going you're to give off such a fragrance, such an aroma of Christ. Some people won't like it, but others will be just drawn to it. Like in the old when I was a kid, they had these Bisto adverts, and these sort of Bisto smoke would go out into the street, and people would just, what's that? And it would just, people would just follow it through. It would be like that. There would be an aroma coming off you of such a fragrance of Christ that people would be like, I've got to have this. The devil does not want that to happen. We know that. God wants us to be a hungry people. I want to end by saying that. And There's so much in life that would just keep us complacent or discouraged. Uh, I think they're probably the two big areas of, te- of, of where we could pitfalls for us. Either complacency, you know what, life's comfortable pretty much. We have, you know, we have enough. And sometimes we have enough for treats. It's cool. So you just be complacent. And, and that can really kill. You know, imagine an athlete that just gets complacent. Mike Tyson used to be heavyweight champion of the world. And I used to follow him really keenly as a teenager. He was amazing, so hungry. And then something happened. He, he got it all, and he was only about 21. He won it all. There's nothing really left for him to do. And he had to defend his title once. And 
in the training period, he didn't really train and he was eating too much and they showed him sparring on the news and everyone's thinking, Flip, he's in trouble. He just looks out of shape. And he got taken out by a guy who's nowhere near as good as him. Lost the title, got complacent. That's one pitfall. The other one is discouragement. We just think, do you know what? I'm, I don't know. You're just listening to lies. I'm not getting anywhere. I won't get anywhere. This is how it's always going to be. There's going to be no growth for me. I tell you, that is utter lies from hell. God has committed to make you more and more like his son, ever increasing degrees of glory. That is totally the plan and will of God. You need to shake off that discouragement and start running again and start believing God again and start praying again. Amen? Amen. We'll do, do five minutes of Q&A and then, we'll, then, we'll, then we're going to pray for each other to be filled with the Spirit and to be strong in, strong in Christ again. Anything anyone wants to ask or look at on that subject? Yes, hi. I think scripturally it would be hard to say it's wrong to persistently ask for healing because a number of people who did that, and actually the results look pretty, pretty good if you read the Gospels. You know, people really press through for healing. And uh, we've got records, records of people who did that, and I'm sure they look back and thought, I'm so glad I did that. Absolutely. I think, I think in terms of comfort, there's no point, don't do things the hard way if you don't have to. Yeah? That's not clever. I remember Charles Spurgeon once, a really funny guy. He led a mega church in London in the 19th century. And he heard of this guy who read the whole Bible sitting on his, uh, read the whole Bible on his knees. And Spurgeon just said, I'm sure he would have got more from it if he'd been in an armchair. You know, because <laughs> his, his attitude was, don't, don't make it hard to try and prove something. So, you know, comfort isn't wrong. But it's when good things like comfort become God things in our heart. And we begin actually seeking after those things. So as long as we're seeking and seeking after the kingdom, we're in a good place. And some seasons are more comfortable than others, but our minds on the kingdom, that's the big deal. Is that okay? Anything else? Not dinner. So can this verse be used um, out of context in a sense, but to a broader brushstroke principle, talking about God's heart to give his children good things? I think it absolutely can be used for that. But I would say it's very, very important that you help people not to, um, not to draw the wrong conclusions from what you're saying and feel like God has promised them something that he hasn't, because that's what we want to keep people from. Um, but absolutely, it speaks of God's Father heart in a general sense, yes. It speaks of persevering in prayer. There are things it speaks of, but there's a very particular promise here that you can take to the bank, and we need to just clarify what that is. Is that cool? Great. Okay, and it's not a very complicated sermon. Most of you think, okay, let's just, I want to pray, you know. Absolutely, of course you do, of course. What we're going to do, we're going to gather back in. The band's going to come and help us with some songs. We're going to take the bread and the wine, okay. We're going we're gonna, to, I want us to, let's, let's pray. Yeah, we're here for each other as well as the Lord. Remember, that's part of the plan of gathering. So if you're here with people you know, and you're, you're stirred, something you think, oh man, I've, you know, 
that was preached on the other week about my, using my speech honestly and simply. I've so struggled with that. Pray with me now because I know, I know that this is mine. And I know God's going to say yes. So I want to start persevering into that now. So let's get with each other and begin to pray with each other and do brother and sister stuff. Let's do that around the bread and around the wine. Remembering that all of this has been purchased for us at the cross. Hallelujah. We are his children, his sons. Yes, because we've been joined to the son who laid down his life for us. So we gather around the, 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 Jesus at the cross in that sense and remember that as we pray for each other. If you don't know anyone here, but you'd love to be prayed for, we've got some guys that we've trained up on a pastoral team um, that will be wearing these. And they're people that we know, people that we trust, people we've had spent a bit of time just equipping for this kind of thing. And so you can nab, they'll be around the back. You can nab one of these and they will pray with you and stand with you. If you're on the pastoral team and you'd really love to do some praying, Please come and grab one. We've just got four here. Come and grab one and um, just be hanging around and um, be looking. Um, let people come and approach you um, uh, and, and, and then you can pray with them and bless them. It's probably, because as soon as you don't know each other, probably best idea to do um, ladies and ladies and guys with guys there, if that's okay, just to make sure that we're um, doing all things uh, in, a kind of, uh, in the most kind of um, transparent and, and godly way. Okay, that's great. Should we stand to our feet? Let's respond to the Lord in the half hour or so that we've got left. And let's expect the Spirit to be speaking for each other as we pray and God to be at work. Amen. A thousand times I've failed So your mercy remains Should I stumble again Till I'm caught in your grace Everlasting Your light will shine When all else fails Never ending your glory goes beyond all fame. My heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise come my embrace to love you from
thing of just locking things up Lord God we thank you that all those who put their trust in you will never be disappointed will never be put to shame and though there are many dangers, toils and snares many huge battles titanic proportions at times we thank you in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer, we come through and we win in Christ Jesus And I just pray for fresh faith to be given across this room now into hearts and lives bring fresh faith I pray in Jesus' name. I'm just going to pray for faith to come as I do that. I just want to encourage you guys. Now is a great time. Find someone. Pray. Break bread. Say, let's go and break bread together. Maybe you're here and you're not a believer. You don't know what it is to have God as your Father because at the moment you're out of the family. 
He's pursuing you. He wants you. He's made a way for you through the body of Jesus on the cross. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. As you come to Christ, He will bring you to the Father. If you want to know Christ, come and find me as we're singing. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you about that. If you want to come home and know God is your Father, come and find me. I'd love to pray with you, talk with you, counsel you. I really would love to do that. I'm just down here at the front. We can talk or talk to someone that you know, but... It's time to do, let's do business with God, guys. As the musicians play, they may just play. Maybe they'll go in and out of other songs and stuff. Let's break bread. Let's find each other. Let's really minister to each other in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's hear God for one another prophesy. Build each other up, okay? We've got every permission in God to do those things. As we, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thank you, Lord. the call that Steph said about coming and seeking God for things that may have um, come up over the past few weeks and when I was praying about the um, meeting this morning God just gave me this passage from Isaiah 55 come everyone who thirsts come to the waters and he who has no money come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without price why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labour for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. And um, Song of Solomon says that God puts out a banqueting table and I really um, feel that God is here really just saying, look, it's, it's here for, for free. Um, come, tell me what you need. Come and ask and it's here for you. And um, I really pray that people would just respond and um, whatever it is that you feel he just needs um, God to give you faith for to be able to overcome it's, it's for his glory it's not it's not actually about you it's so that he might be able to shine through you and that his name might be glorified and um, the invitation is out there it's open and God is saying come come by for free want to share that uh, this morning um, I was reading the same passage, passage of scripture, Isaiah 55, but uh, from a different section. Because um, God has just, uh, over the past, I don't know, six weeks or eight weeks, he has brought me th- through just so much amazing breakthrough in so many areas. I cannot believe it. It's just been extraordinary. I feel like I'm a brand new Christian. Just stuff has just been taken off of me that I have fought for. Oh, I don't know. It's just too complicated to go into. But this is what I want to read to you. And this is what I want to pray for people that that want prayer. Okay. So from uh, Isaiah 55. uh, this, This is what it says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. This is what he says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my my mouth and it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace and the mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands instead of thorn bushes uh, that will grow the pine trees instead of briars the myrtle will grow this will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed this is this is how I feel I feel like just like mountains are like singing out Whoa! because um, God has just done such an amazing work in me uh, it's just glorious and you know when, when he speaks at the right time, he will deliver. He will, he will redeem. He will set you free. He will sort it out. Where you know His word goes out, and it will not return empty. It will go into the earth, and it will do what it's meant to do. And it might take twenty years. It might take a day. It might take the next hour. He will accomplish all that he sets out to do. He is glorious. He is mighty, and he he will have his fame and his renown and his glory. And so, if there's people that want prayer. I've, I've got a very short window of time. I will pray for you for um, strength in the fight. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, I, just, I just wanted to add to that kind of, even before Simon came up, I really felt there was faith here. Um, there's faith for God to do amazing things in terms of um, the release. Many of us have been asking God for things time and time again. If, I mean, if you've ever been to our prayer meetings, you'll know that every week we pray for the lost. It's just a recurring theme. And there's things in your life, maybe, maybe prayer for healing, maybe prayer for faithful friends. And there's so many different things that people are in faith for that God, that God is, by His grace, wants to give us as our good Heavenly Father. And so I just want us to be in faith. And off the back of Davina's testimony over the last month, I'd love for her to pray for us and um, for the release that as we seek Him, that as we pursue Him, that there will be a release of the Spirit. There will be a, something that breaks in the heavenlies over our lives, that kind of we can step into newness of life, we can step into fullness of life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, wonderful Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that when you ascended to heaven, you said to your disciples, you say to your people, people who believe in you, that you won't leave us on our own. You won't leave us like orphans, but you will send one who is just like you, the promised Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are alive and kicking and working in our lives. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, God, that you came to set the captives free. I thank you that you came to bring out those who are, who are blinded into to seeing your great and wonderful light. I thank you, Lord God, that you came to take out the, the hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh. I thank you that you come by your spirit to change our minds, to give us the mind of Christ. I thank you that you come and bring freedom where we need the freedom. You come and you break habits of sin that control us. You break them. Father, I thank you that when you went to the cross, 
Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross and defeating sickness, defeating death, defeating Satan. I thank you that the, that Satan and his powers and demons have no authority over us. We walk free. We are free. You are amazing. I thank you, God, that you call us to stand. You call us to stand in Ephesians and to keep on standing and you will bring deliverance. You are awesome. You are awesome in your power. You are awesome in your might. You are awesome in the stuff that you say. You are awesome in what you do. And I pray, God, that there would just be great gifts poured out over your church today. Great gifts of faith. Great gifts of your grace on us today. continue to receive where you are Um, God just wants to deal so tenderly with us Um, just open yourself up to him open yourself up to him if if you've been asking him for things if you've been repeatedly coming back for uh, things, if you've been looking to him time and time again, just as we sing these next songs, just open yourself up to him, just be ready to receive from him, receive the freedom that comes from him the Bible says that Christ came to, to bring us freedom he really wants to release us. He wants to bring us into new freedom today. So if that's you, just receive as we sing these next songs. I see your face in every sunrise. The colors of the morning are inside your eyes. The world awakens in the light of the day. I look up to the sky and say, you're beautiful. are in motion and galaxies are bright. We are amazed in the light of the stars. It's all proclaiming
the morning are inside your eyes The world awakens in the light of the day I look up to the sky and say You're beautiful
felt um, God speak to me on two different levels. I felt God say to me that there's someone here who recently you went out and you got drunk. I think it's a, I think it's a believer, and you ended up sleeping with someone. And just when Steph was speaking, it hit you, and um, it was like, how can God love me? He loved you in Jesus Christ. Jesus became man, dwelt among us, and he died on a cross. That's how he loved you. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I would encourage you to pray with someone. You don't need to come and find me. You can find one of your friends, but go and see someone. Also, I feel God wants to heal some people today. If you've got back problems, we would love to pray with you. If you've got asthma, we'd love to pray for you. If you've got problems with your eyes and your ears, we'd love to pray for you. Just to say, if that first person is you and if you're part of the church here, I just want to say, as one of the pastors here, that um, our role is to care for you and kind of, I guess... Jesus who leads this church, who leads all the churches, has established us as a kind of under-shepherd's role. And um, we just want you to know that we we would want to extend grace to you in your situation and pray with you. And um, please don't think that, you know, if you told one of us that we would condemn you, we would not condemn you because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We just want to see you restored and see you uh, walking free from whatever it was in your heart that led you into that happening in the first place. So it's just a much better thing to bring it out into the light rather than tuck it away because uh, nothing nothing works so well in the dark, you know. It just all, all multiplies and gets worse. We want to just, just extend grace to you and want you to know, you know, that we want to we want to pray with you and see you restored. So please hear that. You can come and find us if that, you know, we really would want to just walk with you through that so um, I just got the sense that um, just uh, sort of relating to what Davina was talking about um, but that there's maybe a couple of you or one of you here who just feels like quite trapped and that you almost can't express yourself or how you feel um, and I, yeah I just I think God would want you to have release from that um, and to be able to express that sort of emotional trapness. So um, if if you want to come and find me and pray with me, th- that's fine. If not, um, find someone and, and um, pray with them. I just want to read this verse from um, Psalm 27. It says... One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. Because of my enemies, give me not up the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And I just really felt that, and what Steph's been saying, that um, about just, I got this picture of um, just some, someone walking, and a little kid, like a father, holds his kid's hand and guides him and walks with him. And I just had a picture that um, God is holding our hands and he is guiding us. But actually, um, he, it's not in our strength, but it's in his. And sometimes we try and do things in life and sometimes we are, like um, as Steph said, about our heads just look down and actually God says, lift up your head to me and he will give you strength. And it's not in our strength, but it's in him. It's about 5.30, which means that probably those of us who have kids probably do need to collect their needs. Those of us who just feel like, you know, God's kind of done in our heart today what, you know, he wanted to do. Maybe we should call it a day and say the service is finished. But many of you will probably just want someone to pray with you still, either for physical healing. We'd love to do it. Jesus used to heal lots of people, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we believe he heals today. We want to pray for healing. Um, so there'll be loads of us hanging around ready to pray and stand with you and talk about stuff so please don't go if you know there's still a bit of business to do maybe you haven't broken bread yet please feel free to do that while the musicians play but we will also say that this service is uh, finished as well and those of us who need to collect kids probably good for us to go now if we're getting prayer please make sure that someone that we know can get our kids or someone they know as well can get them so that they're well looked after okay great Thank you.